Luke chapter 17, verse 11, says this, As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grab a seat, everyone. I've been wrestling with what to, to preach on this morning as we come uh, into the end of a very significant term for us, and um, partly I, I, I didn't know what to say until I knew what had come in. <laughs> I was like, what sort, of me- what sort of message are we preaching this morning? Like, I don't know, God's there in the midst of our discouragement and lack of faith. <laughs> Thank goodness we had to, we, I didn't mentally go down that track, but yesterday, I, I just literally, I was like, I don't know, I was just a bit spun out, and so I was praying yesterday, I was like, what do we, what do, you know, I just felt very clearly, as, as soon as I heard about what, what had been given, um, this, I just felt the Lord just speak of the importance of pausing and expressing our thanks to Jesus. I've just, I've been a, like, I don't know what sort of leper you are, but I want to be a grateful leper. I want to be a grateful leper. And uh, it's a fascinating story. Um, do you want to go to the next slide, Ramon? There's a, just a beautiful picture. You know, you Google image these things. But I just I got struck with the pain of these, these lives with leprosy. They're an outcast. They can't even get close to Jesus uh, because of the stigma associated with their leprosy. People considered them to be sinful, especially naughty, because they had, you know, God had smite them with leprosy or whatever, you know? So they did all the shame. And I just, I can't imagine what it was like to live a life like that. And then Jesus walks along and, uh, and you know, it struck me, the desperation of these guys. There's something like God loves desperate people. <laughs> he always seems to gravitate towards desperate people, which is why in the Western church, we've got to shake the cage every now and then and say, let's not, you know, the world dulls our passion for Jesus, but we're here to be people that are red hot for Jesus. So Lord, stir up a passion for your name. And I want to get desperate for you. And my brokenness, I want to get desperate for you. And, you know, whatever's happening in my life, I want to just have a free, I want to have hunger for you. So these guys are desperate because of what they're going through. And they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What a beautiful line. And then Jesus does something, it's pretty random, where it's like, all right, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, uh, these guys, this is on the border uh, of Samaria and Galilee. So there's, there's maybe Jewish and Samaritan uh, folks. Again, this is just like contextual. It's hard for us to think why this is important. But I don't know, it'd be like Black Plow or Mongrel Mob guys hanging out together, you know, just because they've been all smite with the same condition or whatever. You know, it's like you just don't, that's just unheard of, you know. But these guys are so desperate. And one of them's clearly a Samaritan uh, and uh, who returns back to Jesus. But these guys are just, they're desperate for Jesus. Uh, and, and he says, he basically is like, go fulfill the Old Testament requirements, which is when you get cleansed of anything, you go to the, the high priest, you can read about this in Leviticus, and the priest declares that you've been cleansed uh, and you've been made whole. Um, so, so they go Still with leprosy, but here's again the thing that struck me as I read this. They went obedient to what Jesus asked them to do. 
Now, maybe they'd heard stories of how Jesus had healed other people. It's different every time. You can't make a cookie-cutter approach. Sometimes Jesus spits on the ground and gets some mud and rubs it in your eyes. Glad that, you know, we don't do that in this church that often. But, uh, you know, other times, you know, Lazarus, come forth, you know, and it's just, all right, out he walks, you know. It's just like every time it's a bit different. And this time it's like, well, just go, start walking towards the priests. Now, you know, I don't know whether they wrestled with doubt or not. I've wrestled with doubt over the last couple of, you know, month or so where it's like, God, are you really calling us as a church to give sacrificially and da-da-da-da-da? And like, what if it's just me? Or what if it was just the curry the night before? Or what if no one gives anything and all that sort of stuff, right? Uh, and it's very easy in hindsight to have faith. But when you're in the middle of a moment where Jesus has asked you to do something that sounds a bit weird, it's a whole different story. But Jesus loves obedience, he just let obedient people see the kingdom of God break through. And so these guys start walking towards the high priest. Again, try and imagine it because they got healed on the way. So they're walking along all, you know, with all the leprosy going on. <laughs> I'm getting in a world of trouble if I act this out. So I'm just not. How <laughs> Sam got cancelled. Uh, you know, they're walking along with their leprosy. You can use your own imagination to fill in the gaps there. Uh, and then it's like, wait a minute, like what? And it's like, they just start buzzing out because they've been healed. Out of their obedience, the kingdom of God's cracked in. But the interesting thing is that only one returns back to Jesus, praising God. And then whereas before he was a long way away, he runs right up to Jesus because he can now, because he doesn't have leprosy anymore, humbles himself before Jesus at his feet there. Um, praising God, um, and he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Can you imagine how, how deep that gratitude would have been? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. This changes everything, like family status, economic potential. All of that changes. Like His whole standing in the community has just been changed because he's no longer an outcast. He's been made whole. So there he is just pouring out his gratitude to Jesus. And uh, Jesus says to him, uh, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Again, you got to get into the Greek there. He's like, it's not like the other guys then had lost their healing. Uh, again, you've got to dive into the Greek here. But, but what Jesus here is like, you've been saved effectively. You've been made whole. There's a wholeness that's come into your life because you've returned to thank me, to express gratitude. And I think that the point is in some way that unless gratitude is part of our nature, we really will struggle to be a whole person. And that's why in this moment right now, I'm like, uh, I just think we need to stop because the danger is that we can go through all these different things. But friends, this Sunday's special. This isn't a normal Sunday. And we can't just scream along. We need to stop and savour this and thank God. It's going to savour this moment and just, and just and be a thankful leper rather than scream on to the next thing which we do in our Western world. It's not healthy. So like, just stop for a second to savour the story that's getting written. Like, I don't know what the building is going to be, whether it's the Durham Street one or another. We don't know. We've got a whole lot of work we're doing, right? But right now, we're part of a story where a church got planted in the bay five years ago. And then that church got serious about discipleship to Jesus. And in that church, a whole bunch of people that struggled with their devotional lives, but they began to fight for it and restored the secret place 
where they sat with Jesus every day. And out of that, the kingdom began to spill out. And they began to have prayer meetings where they began to pray for God to, to, to send his spirit into the bay and into this church. And they began to, to care for the poor. And they started trust. They, they looked after folks. Um, and on we go. And then the Lord started speaking to that little church. And they said, I want you to have a space, some kingdom space. Have a building of your own. And that was going to require sacrificial generosity. And then the pastor got up there and he was all a bit scared, but he preached those messages anyway. And he called the church to it. And friends, you wouldn't believe what happened. The church responded and gave generously and said yes. And then they got together this Sunday and the pastor announced the total. And they ran back to Jesus, praising him, fell at his feet, saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. You're such a good God. You're such a good God. You know, we, we, so we come before Jesus this morning and we thank him. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're shaping and forming in us. We thank you, Jesus, for this community of faith that we're a part of and the story that we're writing. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done in our history. We thank you, Jesus, for all that's to come in our future. But we thank you for this wonderful moment this morning where we get to celebrate together your faithfulness to us and your goodness and the forming work that you've done in our hearts. You know, um, I got really jarred once. You know, I've banged on a lot about this book, but I read this book called Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser. You know, it's a book if you haven't read, so I encourage you to do so, particularly if you're in the middle years of your life. And he says this in Sacred Fire. Many of the persons who deeply regret that during the healthiest and most productive years of their lives, they were too driven and too unaware of the richness of their own lives to appreciate and enjoy what they were doing. Instead of privilege, they felt burden. Instead of gratitude, they felt resentment. And instead of joy, they felt anger. I'm like, oh man, how easily could that be our story? This is why gratitude like, like shunts us out of the dangers of being in that space and bring us to a place where we can be just grateful for his many blessings in our lives. Because the reality is that gratitude is really unnatural. The disposition out of which most humans operate these days is entitlement and discontent. So I deserve that and I'm annoyed that I don't have that. <laughs> um, and what we don't have before us is kind of the thing that we think about all the time. It's ever tucked away in our little subconscious, what we don't have. Uh, and the hunger for more like cripples us. We talked about this last week. It's like it drains us. It makes us restless where we just feel this, this, again, our whole world is breeding discontent in us. I've said this a lot of times. You will see between four and 10,000 advertisements today. Crazy, eh? I just can't believe that. But it's because we're so used to they're just everywhere. And what does an advertisement do? It's, caused, it's there to breed discontent. So if you swim between four and 10,000 advertisements a day, it just is going to breed that discontent in you. And then it's like, if you just keep living in that, you will always be discontent. Because the, the, the advertisements, whatever you buy, it will not satisfy, right? We know this. But we still, was like a hamster on a wheel, just stuck on going round and round and round. And this is why... Uh, Practicing gratitude in this morning to saying we're going to just take this moment to express our gratitude is super important. To get out of that, to break the habit, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, familiar scripture, but, but fascinating to see the context of it in terms of like Paul's de- like love for the church and his final words and this rallying cry. But then he gives what scholars call the standing orders of the church. Like get your head around that. Like until we fulfill the standing orders, he's not really going to give us any more orders. This is, and it is, again, what's God's will for you? Well, this is on the, on the, in the scripture. And, and again, this is the core stuff that's there for everyone. So this is, again, listen to this. Rejoice always, 
Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a huge statement. What's God's will for your life, young people? Rejoice, pray, give thanks. You know, we're resting. What's God's will for my life? Well, now there's, there's specific stuff you've got to work out. Don't marry a dropkick is, a, you know, is kind of like a helpful thing just to work out, you know, and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't know, like what job you should take. or All those things are important. But these are the standing, these are the non-negotiables for everyone. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And so uh, we swim in this world with all the advertisements and stuff, but gratitude unplugs us from the matrix and helps us retrain our brain to be grateful for who we are, what we have, all the rest. It's all grace. We live, we die, in between it's all grace. And so gratitude changes us and it's super important that we learn to this. Now I'm, not, I'm gonna trim a sermon on the fly here. Here's some reasons why the science behind it's phenomenal. Next slide. This is what happens for you physically. All the, if you want the actual research, I can send it to you. Next slide. This is what happens to you emotionally. And this is people that regularly practice gratitude. Like this isn't, again, so far we haven't even hit the spiritual benefits yet. This is just, I love that the Bible calls us to, again, I've said, everything Jesus calls us to is motivated by love and leads us to life, right? So when, when Jesus is like banging on, like gratitude's important, be, be a grateful leper, don't like be like the rest of the other nine. When Paul says the standing orders of the church are to give thanks continually, it's good for your health, mental health, social health, emotional health. Next one, social health, there we go. All of this has got like super nerdy data behind it from big universities in the world, United States and all that, right? Next one. But here's the spiritual thing, is that it just, again, it, it changes the way that you look at the world. And you know, like, um, here's the honest truth. I was grateful for you before the number got sent about how much you guys are given for the building thing, right? <laughs> Genuinely. I was like, man, I just love this church so much. And then Steve sent through the email, and I was like, I love them even more. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a great church. <laughs> but it's like, I know a lot of pastors just super annoyed at their congregations all the time. <laughs> they vent to me. <laughs> and it's super easy just to be discontent, you know, to be discontent about your house, about your marriage, about your car, about your job, about your kids, about whatever, your cl- about the holiday that you're not having <laughs> or that you are having that's not a bit rubbish compared to your mates and all that. But it's like, let's get into this place of gratitude where we're just so, it's all grace. It's all a gift. Thank you, Lord, for your abundant goodness to us. And that breeds optimism to just people that are filled with hope. It's like, and I love that Paul, it's like Paul's just got this incredible attitude where it's like, it doesn't matter what you do to me, I'm all good. If you let me live, I'm going to tell more people about Christ. If you torture me, I'm going to get more reward from Christ. If you kill me, I get to be with Christ. So it doesn't matter to me. Just bring it on because it's all grace. It's all a gift. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's all about him, everything, you know. And I just think what an amazing posture of the heart to have where we're just just so grateful. Um, All of that, you know, we're we're trimming as we go. Um, So this morning, before we finish in a couple of minutes, um, what I want us to do is just to stop and to get your phones out, your journals out, or just to write a mental list of some things that you're grateful for. And then I'd like us to close in prayer, just thanking God for this moment and to savour it. Um, 
Over and over and over in the scriptures, you read, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. It's just everywhere in the Psalms. Uh, And let me uh, just read Colossians 3 verse 14. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of of our Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. There's three times in that scripture, this whole centrality of scripture, of of thankfulness. I, I, I come into land kind of with this before we have a little moment just to express our own gratitude to God. Um, John Wesley, uh, founder of the Methodist Church, wrote this, Thanksgiving is inseparable from true prayer. It is almost essentially connected with it. He that always prays is ever giving praise, whether in ease or pain, both for, for prosperity and for the great adversity. Paul writes, for I've learned to, to, uh, in whatever state I am to be content. This is very, very important in the Scriptures. Here's my last thing. The reason I want to actually do it this morning, both personally and corporately, and I've banged this drum so many times, is that Jesus' great wisdom at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is all about application. Right? We've said this countless times. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not people that hear the stuff that gets transformed. It's people that do the stuff that get transformed. And, you know, like, we've done the stuff. We've fought for a devotional life. The train stops at every station. You can join us at Upper Click, get into a huddle. We will always be on-ramping people to fight for that space in their own lives, okay? But many of us have done some hard work there. We've been obedient in giving. Man, if that's a chestnut. Wooey. That's a spiritual stronghold in our culture. You absolute legends. Now let's do it with gratitude. We've prayed, we've fasted, we've given, and now let's do the stuff that we're called to do as followers of Jesus and just sit here and let it gush up. And let it just gush up. Because I do this two or three times a week when I'm having a good week. And I get the journal out and, I, and I'm trying to train my brain. I'm transformed by the renewing of your mind. I write it down. What am I grateful for? And you know what happens is that initially it's tough if you don't practice this because you do all the usual things. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for your picture in the car. Thank you, whatever. And then you get stuck. I got stuck in my early years. And then I was like, help me see, Lord. Help me see. Thank you for the grass. Oh, that's good. That grass is looking good. Done a pretty good job. Some of you guys have seen my lawn. It's looking a little shady right now, but it's pretty good. Thank you for the waves. Thank you for that view. Thank you for that treat. Thank you for that friend. Thank you for this meal. Thank you. And, you just, and all of a sudden, you're just like, this is, you, you just start seeing the abundance of God. And then and your heart just gets filled with joy and, and just like, this is incredible. It's like, who wants to live in discontent? <laughs> I want to live in just a state of gratitude. The best people I know are just stoked about this, even through suffering, which is why we're looking through Philippians, written in jail. And it's like, you know, the wisdom, it's like the epistle of joy, written from, you know, all that. So let's practice it this morning and just thank God. But can I encourage you to do this as a spiritual discipline, is to express your gratitude to God, to give thanks to God, for He is good, His love endures forever, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind out of the matrix of discontent that we live in into the, the glory of God, which just sees us live lives full of gratitude for His abundant mercy to, and goodness to us. Amen? So let's spend a bit of time just in silence, and then we're going to uh, say some thanks to God uh, together as a church. Uh, and can I encourage you just to uh, work on concentric circles out. Thank God for what He's done in your life. 
Thank God for the people around. Then just start just to, to see where you go and just tr- try and get the longest list you possibly can of things. And this is like, this is worship to God. This is before you and God. As you write this stuff down, it's an expression to God. Amen? If you don't have a phone, you're awesome. <laughs> you legends. Um, bring your journal to church in future, though, because you never know when these moments will happen. Um, and if you just have to write a mental list, that's all good. But feel free to get your phones out. We're going to put some quiet music in the background there, if that's all right, Ramon, just to um, help us. And then I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to do this. Then we're going to stand together and thank God uh, uh, all together as a church. All right, give you a couple of minutes. Let's thank God. This is an act of worship. Thank God. And include the building stuff in this moment. Thank God for, for the fact you're part of this community of generosity. Let's just thank him.